Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, they're silent, they dress in black, and they can kill you with laughter. I'm talking about mimes. Does Paula have what it takes to make it as a practitioner of the fine art of pantomime? Well, I mentioned that they don't talk, right? So that kind of answers our question. Nevertheless, we've got Peter Daniel Strauss, a.k.a. Peer the Mime, here to talk to us with actual words on our career corner. Plus, last week you heard us dish about our nasty and unusual food habits. This week, it's your turn on our smash hit new segment, True Confessions, Food Edition, Listener Edition. I'm Adam Felber, the man who carefully tiptoes through the conversational minefields, walking into the wind, pulling myself forward on an invisible rhetorical rope, gathering a bouquet of meticulously chosen imaginary verbal blooms to lay at the feet of my gracious host. And now, please welcome the woman who gratefully picks up those notional flowers and eats them like a bag of invisible Doritos, it's Paula Poundstone! Hey, guys! Hey, Adam. Welcome, Paula. And thanks to tonight's house band, returning champion Broadway pianist Zach Ford from Washington, D.C., our Zach. nation's capital. Yay. Nice. Ooh. Hey, Paula, what's new in Poundstoneville? Well, you know, Adam, my worm farm is going so well. And Captain Crinkle, Bonnie Burns, my manager of, I don't know, 26, 27 years. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. We worked together for a long time. She uh, suggested that I make <laughs> videos about my worm farm that we could put up on TikTok, which I am enthusiastic to do. I mean, I'm learning how to do it. I'm not skilled, but, you know, walking the viewers through the process. But she keeps telling me that um, she looks at TikTok videos of somebody with baby goats, and she feels that the baby goats, <laughs> uh, the guy, he's tr he shows his baby goats every day. So couldn't I show the worms every day? And I got to tell oh, you. Boy. Uh, I mean, I yeah. love my worms, but I, sure. they're not baby goats. The worms aren't doing... They're really not. No, they don't do something different every day. They don't jump on a trampoline. They don't... They don't butt. They don't... They just slither. 
and eat, and they're under the yeah. dirt mostly, and they don't like light. So when you when you show them, they slither out of the way right away. So uh, and as much as your fans love you, they they're not going to form an emotional attachment to the worms as though they're baby goats. No, it's not the same. Like you don't have a worm calendar. Just for example, right? Whereas you might have a baby right. goat calendar and that would fly off the shelves at Christmas time. You are not going to have a worm calendar. <laughs> you know what, Wendell? Write that down. What, write that down. Worm calendar. God, I just had a great idea for merchandising. Write that down. Write that down. Did you? Did you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, so anyways, but the worm... <laughs> did I tell you that I can hear them? I did tell you that, didn't I? I don't know if you did. Yeah. I might not have been listening. More than likely. I can put my head into the worm bin and hear them. And I told this to Wendell, by the way, and he goes, you cannot, because he's so positive. I said, I hear them eating, because I do, I hear them eating. And he said, what does it sound like? And I said, which is exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You're not going to get that from a baby goat. Wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, my God. Poundstone Industries is exploding. Exploding with ideas and creativity. I don't know. It's something about the possibility of things opening up again. I just, it's a overcharged spring. Don't you feel that? Yes. Yes, it is. It, it's everything is blossoming from ideas to, to plants, to animals. And, and I really think this worm thing is really going somewhere for you. Now, let me change the subject. You and I have a running bet. Oh, yes. The, okay, listeners, I'm asking that anybody who played Oliver in a children's or school production of the great Broadway yeah. musical Oliver, the Who Will Buy song. Yes. The other day I was doing a very uh, labor-intensive physical labor job with a team of people, and we play, you know, music while we're working together. And I started singing just, you know, the Who Will Buy song. And somebody goes, put that on, put that on. It's so uplifting. It's part of this theme of, you know. It is uplifting. But Paula, we made a bet. Yeah, we did. We made a bet. And, and the bet was this. The bet was you bet that there were at least a few of our listeners out there who played Oliver in school or as a youth. And would thus be willing to let us know and send us in a, a snippet of them singing Who Will Buy. Yeah. And I said, Paula, I don't think we have that many listeners who actually had the starring role in Oliver. And lo, we bet that you bet eventually that there were at least two listeners who were going to do this. And lo and behold, at the end of week one, a listener wrote in and gave us a snippet of him singing Who Will Buy. And I thought I was on my way to defeat in this little bet between you and me. And then we've sort of plateaued. Yeah. We haven't had any more. <laughs> we've, pl- we've had no more recordings <laughs> of who will buy. Yes. It's a little bit like the vaccination rollout. You know, it started yeah. with long lines and now, you know, we're having to beat the bushes to to find people to please get vaccinated. And by the way, people, please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. But so I know there is at least one more person who... who <laughs> we plateaued at 50% yeah. of the, no, of you the, guys, of come the way on. to I know two. there's at least one more <laughs> man who could sing a little bit of Who Will Buy. Just record it on your computer or your silly, stupid phone or something, and then just send it in to us. But we want to stress, no cheating. Unless you actually played Oliver in a production of Oliver, it doesn't count. Yeah. I don't want to hear somebody that clearly played Bill Sykes pretending <laughs> that they played Oliver. Because we'll know. Yeah. Oh, we will know. And there better not be one fucking Annie song in any 
of uh, the recordings that get sent to us because I can tell the difference between Annie and Oliver. In fact, I'm a professional. Uh, I'm often called in to appraise recordings and to say, is that Annie or is that Oliver? And I can tell the difference. You know, so oh, if you are back. out there, and it's I'm wonderful feeling. <laughs> oh my gosh! Is that Amy Klobuchar? I'm so high. I swear I could die. Oh, you know what? If you had uh, Amy Klobuchar, Senator, excuse me, if you had sung that song during your presidential campaign, you would have gotten in. That was phenomenal. I was Oliver in my private school production. I just didn't have a chance to record this for you. So Paula won the bet. Yay! No, Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> I'm hereby not believing you, Senator. <laughs> You're a guest on the show. I don't think you were Oliver. And I would defy you to sing more of that song. No, I was. The girls played the boys' parts. Oh, what school was that, Amy? It was a private girls' school. What private girls' school, Amy Klobuchar? It was a Minneapolis Catholic girls' school for girls. Preparatory... Girl school. It was preparing for being a girl? It was, no, it was the college preparatory Catholic private girl school. Yeah. For young presidential candidates. <laughs> God bless America. Boy, that uh, is. Amy, Amy, Amy Klobuchar, you in fact went to public school, didn't you? Um... <laughs> it's beautiful in Minneapolis. I love America. Yeah. A lot of times, some of our early life experiences we can block out. And apparently Amy blocked that she had attended public school. Um, As opposed to a Catholic girl's school, yes. Yeah, yeah. Hey, speaking of school. <laughs> oh, fish swimming schools. And it's time to call to order the last oh, edition of the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Book Club Moby Dick edition. Oh, I am so excited. Yeah, here we go, everybody. Well, this is this is big news. Will the club come to order, please? This week, we read chapters 126 through the end, wherein things start to look really bad for what I now call the Pequod squad. <laughs> Ahab's obsession has taken over the crew. squad. The bad omens start piling up. They make a life boy out of Queek Queek's coffin. <laughs> that doesn't seem too dire. They refuse to help ships that have lost people in encounters with Moby Dick. And then it happens. They sight and hunt the white whale. There's one bloody thrilling encounter and then another bloody thrilling encounter. And then on the third encounter, just when you think all hope is lost... All hope is lost. The ship goes down and everybody dies except Ishmael. The end. Do you know why Ishmael doesn't die? Do you know why he's the only one who doesn't die? Somebody has to write the book. No, he got vaccinated. That's why. Oh. Yeah. Yes. And if you're listening out there, if you want to be able to survive whale attacks, get vaccinated. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have new listeners and thank you. I hope so. And maybe they're not familiar with the book club. The whole podcast is, of course, not a book club, but we did start a book club a while ago. And uh, the first book that we chose was uh, Moby Dick. We aimed high. So we've been at it for quite a while. But just to catch people up. Today, we have completed reading Moby Dick. I hope listeners read along with us. And so I thought that I would give people a summary of how the Moby Dick 
portion of her book club has gone. Okay. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a young book club <laughs> that started on a podcast that nobody seems to love. The first book they chose was Moby Dick, a classic of the ages. Four members tried to read the book. It was 655 pages, 655 pages. Tony wouldn't read at all. She kept getting censured. If not for the summaries of the president pro tem, she wouldn't have known a word. She wouldn't have known a word. Paula listened to the whole book twice. The others used cliff notes. They offered up lame excuses like didn't know it would be about boats. The next book will be shorter and with a little bit of luck. There won't be any penis suits and it won't be eat, pray, fuck. <laughs> there. It won't be eat, eat pray, pray, fuck. Wow. It won't be eat, pray, fuck. Yeah. It won't be eat, pray, fuck. Pray, fuck. All right, Paul, thank you very much for that. That was great. That was fantastic. <laughs> what do you think of the end of Moby Dick? Ah, uh, it's good. <laughs> And if you're just joining our book club, this is the kind of stuff that you can expect week after week. This is kind of in-depth analysis <laughs> where we really break yeah. things down and 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 look for that deeper understanding. What'd you think? It was good. No, seriously, how did it strike you, the end? The end was my favorite part of the book. Because you got to stop reading? No, because it was very action-filled. And there was very little description of, you know, whale parts because for those of you who didn't read the book or perhaps are new listeners, Herman Melville had a tendency to go on long whale descriptions. Yeah. And that, that could kind of slow the action down a bit. Oh, absolutely. He got into the gory details, like literally the gory details. I, I like the end of the book, too. I, you, know what, you know what really struck me about it is that in those last 10 chapters or so, really the last 20, not only does Ahab begin to take over the entire boat, and his obsession takes over everybody's life. He also takes over the entire book in that Ishmael disappears. I don't think he, the word I is used at all in those last few chapters. No. If Ishmael's having an experience different than the rest of the crew, you don't read about it until he's the only one alive. Well, no. In fact, he at the very end, he reveals that he had been on Ahab's boat. He was one of the rowers on Ahab's boat. Um, because they go out on these smaller boats to catch the whale. And the other thing is, never again a reference to Queequeg, his friendship with Queequeg. You know, sad to see Queequeg go. Nothing. No, gee, this was a sad day. It was so difficult. Nothing. And by the way, the more conversations between Ahab and Starbuck, the more it felt like, wow, this is the Republican Party. <laughs> yeah, it's a highly dysfunctional party with a couple of reasonable people inexplicably letting themselves be led by a madman. Yeah. Who is clearly crazy. But here's my question, and then we're going to throw it over to our friends. Is that a flaw in the book? I mean, there's a part of me that really wanted to hear Ishmael's description of what things were like and his reaction to losing all his friends and somehow bearing witness to the death of this giant crew. Instead, the boat goes down and Ishmael mentions that he got rescued. And that's it. Book over. Yeah. He may have been on a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> it is possible. You think he would have edited out some of the earlier stuff, though, if he was on a deadline. Um Bonnie Burns, how are you feeling about that up in the Simi Valley? Oh, my gosh. 
again, for any new listeners, this, uh, this kind of analysis is really characteristic yeah. of our show. Excellent. Yeah. Well, okay, here's the thing. Paul always accuses me of not a long attention span, but I have a lot of things to do. So I got like partway through the book and then I felt like, okay, I get the gist. I know where this is going. So I watched the movie. <gasps> okay, I've been keeping that from you. But anyway, here's the thing. The movie starred uh, Gregory Peck as Ahab. This is a book club. This is a book club. Book, book, book okay. club, book. I just want you to know this. It was directed by John Houston and the screenplay Doesn't was matter. by it's Ray Bradbury club. and John Houston. Doesn't matter. But I just have to ask you guys this. So in the movie at the end, uh, <laughs> Ahab is lanced. Do you want to do you want to know do you want to know who the makeup and artist was I in the want, book? No, no, no. I just want to know. And by the way, the movie is rated like 7.1. It got 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it's that what happened book, in the book, end of the book? Book club. It's a book club. So you're saying you don't know what happened at the end of the book and you want us to answer for you whether that is similar to the movie. I'm saying did the book hand the way the movie did. You know what? It's a book club. It's a book club. Bonnie, let me ask but you something. Bonnie, wait, this is important. Where Ahab was Lance. Listen, this is very important. I have a very important question. If they had done a lot of merchandising, right, with Moby Dick, <laughs> and say they had made, like, Moby Dick pajamas, say a Moby Dick sleeping bag, right, would you say that a night sleeping in your Moby Dick pajamas in your Moby Dick sleeping bag was the same thing as reading the book. It's a book club. It's not a movie club. It's a book. Book. <laughs> I would like to censure Bonnie Burns. Uh, I will. I would like to censure I will, Bonnie I Burns. I second the motion. Let's take a vote. Uh, motion on the floor to censure Bonnie Burns. Yes. All in favor say aye. 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 Tony. Nay. Well, uh, because I am the president pro tem, I have the tie-breaking vote. God damn it. Motion is carried. Bonnie Burns has been censured. <laughs> lose a leg, lose a leg, lose a leg. Uh, lose a leg, lose a All leg. All right. So Bonnie's analysis wasn't so much an analysis, such as just a kind of a pathetic plea to find out if her movie ended the same way as the book. Yeah. Uh, no. Tony Anita Hull and Sherman Oaks, I'm sure you have deeper insight into the end of the novel. I do. This is how I'd like to sum it up. Just another P quad squad effort. <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie's criticism of the book is that the popcorn wasn't very good. <laughs> what a, what a, just like the Pequod, our club has met such an ignominious end here at the, at the end of the book. What did everyone learn from the book? Well, what did everyone learn? What was the takeaway lesson? The takeaway was don't ask. Tony and Anita Hall to read anything because it ain't going to happen. The whole thing for me was more like a trust fall, you know, and what I discovered is I can't trust any one of you. I listened to the whole book twice, for heaven's sakes, just to go back. You know, it's like I went up Mount Everest and then I went back down so I could walk back up with you guys. And uh, oh, my gosh, you're laggards, every one of you. Well, I jumped back off the cliff notes and read the, the rest of the book. Um, so yeah, I feel like I got the end of it. I'm glad I skipped those middle parts cause they were dull as dishwater. Um, and did I get anything out of it? As Bonnie says, beautiful writer, 
interesting story, a real cool meditation on how alone we all are and the isolation and obsession and all that stuff. And is it my favorite novel ever? It's not one I'm going to do again. It's truly great in parts and it's really uneven. It's a giant glorious mess. Paula listened to the whole book twice. The others used cliff notes. They offered up lame excuses. Like didn't know it would be about boats. All right. Okay, well, maybe next week we could choose a new book. How about that? Yay! That's a great idea. And with that, I am going to call... This session of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Book Club... To a close, Aww. Moby Dick is done. R.I.P. Moby Dick. Long live the next book. Oh, that's a little sad. <laughs> sad from the person who wouldn't read the book and kept bitching about it. Oh, for heaven's sake. All right, Paula, do you have a vocabulary word for us this week? Adam, I have a word. It's captious. It's an adjective that means tending to fault or raise petty objections. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. The entire restaurant staff dreaded the arrival of their exhausting, captious Friday night regular who always sat in the corner. Captious. It's a wonderful word. It belongs in the vocabulary song. Hold it. Wait. Let me get my uh, equipment. Sorry, hold on. Oh. This week's word is captious. It's an adjective that means tending to find fault or raise petty objections. The January 6th commission is too soon. It's too late. It's too broad. It's too narrow. It'll interrupt Trump's erections. Last week's word was (laughs) rebarbative. It's an adjective that means repellent or irritating. You're very cute except when you're regurgitating. The week before that, the word was apersue. It's a noun that means a comment that makes a clever or entertaining point a justice system that keeps people in prison for weed stinks up the joint going back before that the word was militate 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 the show can't go on if i keep saying militate it's a verb that means be a powerful or decisive factor in preventing something. The tunnel is blocked by a giant dumpling. And not long ago, we had proscribe. It's a verb that means officially forbid something. Let's have no more, not even a little bit of plastic packaging. Let's never forget Gallimaufry. Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Bravo. Interesting little variation on the Glock part at the end there, Paula. That was really nice. Oh, thank you very much. I thought you were going to criticize it, and I was going to call you a captious bastard. Right, but I didn't. No. So thank you very much. So I I responded (laughs) appropriately. (laughs) Yes, indeed, you did. I mentioned how you might have responded had I been a captious bastard. (laughs) Coming up, the great mime master Jean-Gaspard Duburau once said... 
We'll learn even more wisdom like that when actual mime Peter Daniel Strauss joins us for Career Corner. That's next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, you know, 
Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i, I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European, and you can get those kind. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, fourteen karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain. I'll try to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertained. <laughs> This month is 
Why do you say that? Supercharge it so that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it, give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> On this day in unremarkable history, Herman Melville said, Dad, don't cut out the part where the guy wears the whale penis as a suit. It moves the story forward. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. So, Paula Poundstone, if I may call you that. Please. Restrictions are loosening up. You're starting to book shows again. And yet... Once you resume regular performing, there's still a part of the job you're uncomfortable with. Is that right, Paula Poundstone? You know, Adam, as you know, I've always loved being a stand-up comic. The only part I do not like is the endless self-promotion. I'm going to be at such and such a theater on blah, blah, blah day. Remember when you two played somewhere and they didn't even announce it? They, they just snuck in and played a concert and thousands of people showed up? What if I just haven't found the right form of expression for my art? Like, I wanted to learn mime when I was in high school. What if that's it? What if instead of begging people to come see me Friday, June 11th at the Moss Art Center in Blacksburg, Virginia, I could never say one promotional word about my mime performance and just step out onto a stage in front of a lot audience who just sensed I was going to be there and pretend to eat soup. Wow, eating pretend soup. Paula, it's uncanny. This is going to shock you. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? Yeah. We have a very special guest here who can help lead you on your silent way. Oh my gosh. Yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about a train engineer? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore a career as a mime. Here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the stressful, high-stakes world of miming is Peter Daniel Strauss. Peter is the man behind Pierre the Mime. He's a film and television actor, has been a Ringling Brothers clown, and he's been featured stomping the boards at the Metropolitan Opera and on The Late Show with David Letterman. He's also the illustrator and co-writer of Meno Meno Pop, a menopause pop-up and activity book. Please welcome Peter Daniel Strauss. Yay! What are the odds of you being here when we were just talking about the potential of me being a mime? How long have you been a mime, Peter? I started being a mime when, officially when I was 12. That's when it started. Wow. So that would make it just shy of about a thousand years. And when did you come out to your parents with that? Uh, <laughs> Mom, Dad, are you sitting down? They did accept me. I have very understanding parents. That's a beautiful That's amazing. story. Very supportive. Yeah. yeah. I want to just a quick full disclosure here. Peter was booked on the show by Tony Anita Hall, but Peter and I, back in the 90s and early ooze on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, performed at multiple comedy shows together. Yes. Which I love. We're friends from way back. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, you were a very funny man, and you still are. It's so... Well, I feel like I've lost this step, but you, you're a mime now. Paula, yeah. go ahead. Grill my friend Peter about miming. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to be the reason for the two of you coming back together. Um, Peter, 
Yeah. Do, do you have formal mime training? I, I do. Like I said, like when I was 12, I had my first experience like studying mime. And then... When you say studying, what do you mean? I actually... Somebody taught me the skills involved in telling stories with my body. That's basically what a mime is. A mime traditionally is silent and tells a story however complicated or simple it is with their body. Uh-huh. So I learned how to isolate parts of my body and how, how to... What do you mean, isolate? So if you were to like put your hand in the air, just hold it there. Yeah, you didn't holding move it. it. You're just yeah. holding it in the air. And if you were to move the rest of your body a little bit side to side, but keeping your hand exactly in the same spot, that would be called an isolation. Oh, it's sort of like a timeout for a body part. So it's, you say, like, you, you go to your room. Exactly. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And you, uh, and you think about what you've done, hand, if your hand happens to still be in the air. Yeah. Now, if your hand is actually in the air right now, like I described, and you were moving your body a little bit side to side, you would actually, yeah. this would be the beginnings of uh, what we would refer to as doing the box, which is a oh, mi- which is a Because that's what I'm doing right now. Right? And if you put your yeah. other hand up in the air, in, in the same plane as if it's on an invisible window... <gasps> Oh, and my spread, gosh. And if you want to add to the effect by spreading your fingers oh. and move a little bit side to side, up and down, but don't move your hands at, at all. Oh, my God. You are doing, well, that's actually a wall. The box comes later. I never realized that part of doing the box was moving the rest of your body while keeping your hands fixed in place. And oh, now that makes so much sense. It makes wow. so much sense. Like, it, it, it looks like I'm in a box now because I'm leaving my hands somewhere but moving my body. Adam, nobody puts you in a box. It's amazing. All right. So that is such a cool exercise. By the way, listeners, I know you're all with your hands in the air like me right now, rocking side to side in your chair. But are there other little steps like that? You know, little exercises like that to isolate other body parts? Well, depending on how much of your body is, you know, you're able to move, you could use every inch of yourself. So, you know, if you're doing, say... These are classic mime illusions, uh, the box pulling the rope. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're going to pull a rope, you need to have the whoever's watching you believe that you're actually holding a rope. So a rope has weight. It has certain properties that you want to describe silently with your body. So uh-huh. if I'm going to do the rope, for instance, I'm going to pick the rope up off the ground because it's not going to just be in the air. Oh, and it's yeah. also, I'm going to place my hands in two spots on the imaginary rope, and I'm going to maintain that space between the two hands, right? Yeah. Kind of like that. Right. Because it's not elastic, it's a, it's a rope. And let's make it a heavy rope, just give it some, you know, Give it a little mm-hmm. bit. Oh, yeah. A little, yeah. Yeah, right? Absolutely. And then, yeah. and then is the rope just limp or is it attached to something off, you know? Oh. And are you going to pull it? Now, if you're going to pull it, maybe the thing that you're pulling is resisting you. Mm-hmm. So creating the, the illusion of the resistance, well, you got to create that illusion with your body. So kind mm-hmm. of, Is this the first ever audio mime lesson? I like it. I like it. Keep going. I can't think of anybody who's ever had to describe mime on the radio. But, you know, <laughs> I love if, it. If Edgar Bergen can do ventriloquism on the radio, I, I can try my hand at this. So, so you're holding the rope in the air. There's resistance mm-hmm. on the other side. And if you're going to pull it, well, you're going to move some parts of your body before others. You're going to keep your hands in place, kind of like you did with right. the box. But yeah. now you're, my hands are wrapped around the rope. So I'm going to lean back, but keep my hands in the same spot they were. So I'm going to lean Because they're hitting resistance. Oh. Resistance. 
And then if you want to really sell it, yeah. when your arms are fully extended, that's when you do a little gentle pull, making sure that the space between your hands maintains the same. Oh my space. gosh, right? wow. I'm totally fooling so myself right now. Right? I am so good at this. <laughs> I have found my work. Nicola, I, I knew that when I came onto the show that you did have a, a calling that you could answer. Uh, I feel like I do. That's why I'm taking my time with you, because I, I believe in you. I really appreciate it. All right, so you learn these different traditional things. You study mime with the, perhaps a mime instructor. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah, I continue to study it. I guess the next great mime teacher I had was uh, in Ringling Brothers Clown College. I studied mime very intensively for, for months. Uh-huh. Then I got hired, and I did a year on the show. Uh-huh. I, I traveled America on a one-mile-long circus train. And I was a Ringling Brothers circus clown. Oh my gosh, that sounds so great. And actually, as a circus clown, mime is incredibly important. Because I, I wasn't a mime, I was a clown. But I used my mime training as a clown. Which I also mm-hmm. use, I use it as an actor. I use it in everything that I do. I use my mime skills. Because I know how to control my body and to tell stories using my body. So as a, as a circus clown, you're working enormous arenas. And you need, you need to tell a story visually. So mm-hmm. what better way to do that than mine? Kevin McCarthy uses clowning in his minority leadership status in the Congress. And so you're not, you're not the only one who's, and <laughs> certainly Mitch McConnell does. So that, that's And he good. is every bit as smart as Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. In fact, he rivals Mortimer, uh, Mortimer Snurd. Um, all right. I love Mortimer Snurd. One of my heroes. Me too. Where does Paula have to begin besides with your lesson? What are the steps she has to take to become a full-fledged, invisible card-carrying mime? That's a very good question. Well, you need to spend a lot of time rehearsing. And you got to work in front of a mirror to like see yourself. Kind of like a magician rehearses in front of a mirror. Well, you're kind of a magician. You're creating illusions and, and story with your body. And you got to make sure it's working. So working mm-hmm. in a mirror is really important. And if you're working as a mime, well, like Pierre the mime, he... Which is you. Which is me. I am the man behind him. He has a very, very pristine makeup. I studied makeup for a very long time. Actually, I almost became a professional makeup artist instead of becoming a performer. But I use all my makeup skills in everything that I do and all the different characters I play. So does Mitch McConnell. Exactly. Exact same. Exact same. (laughs) Exactly. This is so much related to what's going on politically right now. Now, I don't want to deter you, but can we talk about that makeup for a minute? What is behind that classic white pancake Commedia dell'arte kind of, what is behind that makeup? Well, because the makeup kind of neutralizes your face and gives you a, a blank slate that you can work with. So it, oh. it kind of erases all the the person who is being the mime and gives you kind of a fresh surface to launch your face off of. Okay, so Paula's got a mirror. Paula has the makeup. Now what? Well, then the next most important thing is to let your Paula-ness shine through oh because it's the personality of the mm-hmm. person that is the most important element of the mind this the, what you're doing in the mirror that's you working out and that's technical and the makeup is technical in your costume all the thought that goes into what you look like is technical but you got to bring your heart to it and paula you got that in spades. So I really think Thank this you, is Peter. A, a, yeah, I think this is the next chapter. But I do want to point out that there's a certain element of Paula-ness that is talking. And you know what? It's interesting you say that because there is a certain element of Peterness that is talking. None of my friends can believe that I'm able to shut up for more than five minutes 
so that <laughs> so it, it is kind of astonishing that I've become famous as a mime because I I talk a lot. <laughs> it's it's, so there's the other element, Paula, that you're gonna you have to focus. When I'm in in Pierre, something turns on and I become like hyper aware of everything around me, everything that's happening, constantly reading the room, constantly looking for opportunities. Because Pierre, there are mimes that tell written mime stories, plays that are mm -hmm. mime plays. That's not my thing. I do guerrilla comedy. I get dropped into crazy situations and I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. <laughs> I, am, oh. I, I am constantly, I'm scanning every opportunity that is around me. I have a 10,000 monkeys at typewriters writing material uh -huh. and I don't know if it's going to work. But You're sort of like a Roomba. Exactly. Uh, I'm like a. I, <laughs> ex that's exactly. Yeah. But like you know, the deluxe version, I have to like be really present, and I also can't talk. Also, I have to be very careful not to smear my makeup. But here's really the trick of doing comedic mime: is uh, as the great Stan Laurel of Laurel and Hardy said, if they laugh, it's funny. If they don't laugh, it's not funny. So if they're laughing, just keep doing that. Boy. It's like, that's it. It's, you know this. If they're laughing, just keep doing what they're laughing at. Stan's black and white. He doesn't allow, there's no gray area there. There's no, uh, <laughs> yeah. geez, Stan's a little rough. Well, yeah. Wax eater. <laughs> Wax eater? Yeah. Yeah. There's a scene where Stan is at Oliver's house and he's waiting they're going away together sons of the desert i believe yeah yes it is sons of the desert and, and oliver hardy's wife is very angry about it and she's yelling at oliver hardy and stan laurel is sitting at the kitchen table and every time she looks over at him he pulls his hands you know onto his lap and then she looks away again and he reaches out to the bowl of fruit in the in the center <laughs> of the table and he's and, and finally she catches him you know with her eyes and He's been eating waxed fruit. And uh, <laughs> so she glowers at him and says, wax eater. It's great. And then the best part, oh, that's my favorite part, is that after he knows it's waxed fruit, he sneaks another bite. <laughs> 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 the man was a genius. We're, yeah. we, we're not even looking at him when we're laughing. It was funny. Well, you know what? The great Marcel Marceau yeah. once said, Mime makes the invisible visible and the visible invisible. At least that's what he told the cop who wanted to know why he wasn't wearing any pants. We'll help Paula enter her brand new mime pants when we come back. The cat of the week is Nebula from El Cerrito, California. with Peter Daniel Strauss, also known as Pierre the Mime. And, well, before we run ahead with all the lessons in mime, Peter, I just want to touch on really quickly, yeah. you became kind of a nationally known mime thanks to the show Practical Jokers, right? Impractical Jokers. Impractical uh, Jokers, yes. Correct. You were a penalty. You were a punishment. I was a punishment, yes. Uh, I was a punishment for Brian Q. Quinn, who had failed some... I forgot what he, what he failed in doing, but uh, he had to be punished, and... Uh, he hates mimes. <laughs> so, of course, this punishment was to be handcuffed to a mime for 24 hours, unbeknownst to him. 
while he was on his way down to Baltimore's Lyric Theater to do two sold-out shows in a 2000-seat theater, he was handcuffed to a mime. So wow. it was insane. I had never done anything like this. So you had to live as a mime for 24 hours handcuffed to this dude while being filmed. Not only that, but I was told by the other three guys to be as annoying as possible. So <laughs> I really kicked it up a notch and was as annoying as possible. Yeah. And when he couldn't take it, then I would, of course, become a puppy. And by the end of the 24 hours, we, we became good friends. But that was a long time to not talk, especially for me. Yeah, um, I'm it's sure. It's like midnight run, except it would, for it was, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what I don't understand, Peter? Yeah. Marceau Marceau was the most famous mime, right? He was very popular and very well respected. He was so popular, he, he actually had as an LP. He put out a, an album. Oh, that's a riot. Well, when and why then did people start saying they hated mimes? Like, you know, mimes, mimes aren't like a rash. Mimes are easily avoided if you don't like them. Yeah. So there's no. <laughs> I'm a thousand years old, and so, Paula, you may remember this. In the 70s, mime was really cool. Yes. You would go to a city park and you would see a mime, and people were like, oh, look, there's a mime. Let's go see the mime. Yeah, it was fantastic. People mime. And then there was an hour-long TV show called Shields in Yarnell. It was a mime-based oh. television show. And I think what happened, because that's what, that was the height of the mime craze, and I think people suddenly realized, why the fuck are we watching this? And they suddenly <laughs> hated mimes. Okay, but I would still argue that you could just not watch television on that channel that night. And I know that back then we only had like three channels, but nonetheless, yeah. you know... It's different than if you were watching a show that you liked, right? So you're watching Gunsmoke, and all of a sudden, for Christ's sakes, it's preempted by Shields and Yarnell. Then you'd have yeah. a reason. <laughs> this episode has been interrupted. Breaking news. There's a mime in Central Park. Let's go live. Yeah, that would yeah, be I, I would see that. Yeah. I feel like it just yeah. became this cool thing to say, like, yeah. I hate mimes. It, like, really? Yeah, and it's, it's easy, easy to insult someone who can't talk back. Well, that's the exactly. other thing. Yeah. So I think that's when it jumped the shark, as we say. Yeah. All right, let's get back to mime loving. All right, yeah. I want to get back to mime loving. I want to talk about Paula's training regimen. Paula? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you told us about the box, the cool thing about isolating yeah. your hands. Well, no, that did no, that made a wall. That, oh, excuse me, my mistake. That was the, the first plane of the box would be one side of your box, which is a wall. If you could see me right now, I'm making sort of a, a lower hip movement, and then I'm pointing to the ceiling. At first, I point to me. Then I make a lower hip movement, and then I point up. And what that means is my, my fuck up. My fuck up. My mistake. Uh, so go ahead. <laughs> More of a sign language thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It would normally be done silently, but we're not looking at each other. Okay, so that was a wall. Tell me how to make it into a box. So, okay, to make a box, well, we'll make it easy. We'll just assume that it's four equal walls. So if it's a small box, all you have to do is just turn 90 degrees oh. to your next wall, right? And then you place your hands, and if you, here's what you do with your hands. So place your hands on the wall that was just in front of you. Just, right. So your fingers are spread. Yeah. Got it. They're in the same plane, like an imaginary right. know, wall. Uh -huh. Pull one of your hands away from the wall and let it relax. Let it go limp. Okay. And then place it back exactly where it was and have it splat wide open. Splat. Open, oh, that's back. so cool. And then, 
and then do the other hand, relax it, pull it away from the wall, and splat it back on the wall. And now go up and down or side to side. Just move your hands around. Like, relax, splat, relax, splat, relax, splat. And then you can also change the orientation of your hands. I love just, that. Just splat, oh right? Look at that. You have an instant wall, right? Yeah. Now, if you were to turn, if you turn 90 degrees, yeah. you could do the same thing in that wall. But here's, you want to hear a secret? Yeah. Yes. Here's how you make it look really good. Yeah. I, I don't tell this to just everybody, but if you want to make this look like a box, yeah. you start with the first wall, you splat your hands around, yeah. and you, you, move, you move your body a little bit side to side, and your hands are not moving at all, right? Yeah. And then, instead of just moving to the, the next wall at a 90 degree, take the hand that's farthest away from that wall and cross it over the hand and arm that's Oh That's yeah. Although wall. it's really hard to keep the Paula, um, keep it keep it still. You can do it. I believe in you. Yeah, it's really hard to Focus. keep the plane. Oh my god. So now you're now you are crossing your arms and the person watching you imagines in their mind where that corner is. Oh yeah. You are you're selling the illusion. And then once your arm is crossed, then you take the remaining arm off that first wall and you place it on your new wall. The person oh watching me is oh my God, I did it. flipping Rinse out. And repeat. You can do it with all your walls. And you can, change the, you can change the length of your walls. They could go across the whole room. As long as you are keeping your hands isolated in space while you are moving the rest of your body, it looks like they're on a wall. And if you wow. don't know what the hell I'm talking about, just go find an actual wall and place your hands on the wall and practice that way. This is fantastic. Wow. I'm, I'm loving doing this. Now, Peter, yeah. you know, as a stand-up comic, to develop yeah. timing and develop an audience, uh, you do open yeah. mic nights, right? That's how you practice. You can't practice in an empty room. It doesn't work that way. No. Do mimes do open mic nights? Would they go on at like a comedy club? Is there... A place with like a imaginary brick wall behind the stage where you guys all, all agree on where the wall is. There's no saying that you w couldn't find a comedy club that might let you in if they're not mime haters. But well, going back to the 1970s, I mean, people used to just like go outside on the street or yes. in the park, and you could actually be kind of bad and like and start you know practicing and figure it out back then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. But now now you the people the public are not so forgiving. You, you got to be good to start. So sure you might find a comedy club or an alternative probably a more alternative comedy venue that might let you do it. But we are in the world of TikTok and YouTube and Instagram. Like you can make videos, and get it out there, and if people are digging well, it, then the only know, way to be really successful on TikTok is with baby goats. But I could see where if I or baby worms. if I got good at doing that, <laughs> I'm going to go with baby goats. Baby goats. All right, let me let's, let's bring it back to Paula's training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, are you going to have to be her Burgess Meredith? like her mick and train her oh yeah i mean like how physically demanding is this because paula's been getting fit oh really uh, paula what do you what do you do to get fit well i do a little workout regimen a couple times a day nothing nothing enormous the the whole goal of it is simply to build it it's wow. it's based on push-ups uh, from the start i just wanted to be able to do push-ups wow and uh yeah paula i don't know i mean do you feel flexible do you do any yoga for instance I don't do yoga. And by the way, it's banned in some Alabama schools. I can. <laughs> but you did Taekwondo for years. I did do Taekwondo for years. Wow. I can kick my feet up over my head. Not at the same time because. I can't do that. No, you shouldn't do that at the same time. I can kick a foot 
up over my head and then the other foot up over my head. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I would love to see that. I'm somewhat flexible. You sound very flexible. Paula, you are clearly very physically fit and able to do lots of things with your body. But even if you're not, you work with what you got. Even if you can't get out of a chair, if you can move your hands... You can do I could be Francis the Restricted Mime. Yeah. I could just <laughs> not be very flexible. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say, whenever you've been talking us through any of this stuff, I've been doing it. I love that. And I just hope somewhere in traffic right now, someone is doing this in their car and someone else is looking at, <laughs> at a red light. <laughs> at a red light, yes. yes. Well, do, not, do, not, do, not, do not drive in mime. Please. Well, Peter, this has been <laughs> fantastic. Yes. Before you go, where can people find your stuff? If your fans uh, wanted to learn more about me and, and the weird stuff I do, go to my website, pierrethemime.com. I have a shop with some fun products. I'm going to give your fans a 10% discount on Code name Paula is the promo code. Paula. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. It has, and it was excellent. But now, Peter, what we're going to do is we're going to take all the information that you've given us and we're going to run it through the old Pounstonator, as we call it. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah, here we go, Paula. House band Zach Ford, this piano music has been so terrific. It sounded like a complete orchestra, let alone our house band, so thank you. If I could trouble you for a little background music... I'll tell you what the old Pounce-donator spit out. Peter Daniel Strauss, I can't thank you enough for instructing me on a life of mime. I think you've steered me down the right path, which is so important at my impressionable age. I mean, right now, I'm leaning on a wall. No, it's a box. I'm in a box. How how am I going to get out of here? Oh, I'll use this rope. I'm pulling the rope, pulling the rope, pulling myself out of the box. Wait, here are some stairs. I'm climbing the stairs, climbing the stairs. Oh, look, there's a balloon, a beautiful yellow balloon up in the sky. I'll grab the string and, whoa, whoa, I'm about to float away. Fuck! Jesus! Oh, fuck! Thanks a lot, Peter! I could have been killed! Well, Paula, what do you think? Could you do it? Could you be a mime? And remember, you can't talk. Adam, on July 3rd, I'm going to have the great pleasure of performing stand-up comedy in Boone, North Carolina at the Appalachian Summer Arts Festival, Appalachian University Schaefer Center for the Performing Arts. All right. And on July 24th, I'll be in Lincoln, Nebraska at the Lead Center for the Performing Arts. Performing stand-up comedy. <laughs> He's Pierre the Mime. Thank you so much, my good friend Peter Daniel Strauss. This has been a great reunion. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks, Tony. Coming up next, True Confessions Food Edition, Listener Edition. In fact, fortune-telling is illegal in Maryland. 
which is why if you consult a magic eight ball there, it says, answer hazy, piss off. (laughs) And we're back. Oh, Paula, this is an exciting time to be alive, isn't it? Yeah. Adam. Yes. Adam, answer the phone. You, you don't want me to answer the phone. Answer the phone. All right. Hello. Hello, Adam. It's me, Gladdy Pilgrim. I know your book club is looking for a new book to read, and the Lord has made it possible for me to bring you my new book just when you need it. Oh, hi, Gladdy Pilgrim. I didn't realize you'd written a book. You told me um, before that Trump was going to put you on the Supreme Court. Is it a... Um, Book about broken promises and disappointment? What? No. I'm still all set to be on President Trump's Supreme Court, Adam. My book is about America's future. It's called Q is for quit now. You know Trump is president. (laughs) No, no, no. Trump is not president anymore. And you were anticipating on being on the Supreme Court months ago. Adam, when the Lord and Q and Donald J. Trump are at work together, don't mark anything in your calendar and pen. President Trump will be restored to his rightful place in due time, and I will be placed on the Supreme Court where I will limit abortion rights to no time after the man has moaned with pleasure leading up to copulation. (laughs) How many copies of Quit Now, you know Trump is president, will you be buying? Um, Gladdy, we haven't made our selection yet, Uh, and we vote on our book choice. I get what you mean, wink, wink. What? You come on by the Supreme Court, and I'll slip the books to you from under my robe. You're not on the Supreme Court. I've got to go, Adam. i got another call. This could be it. <laughs> oh. Wow, so that happened, and now we can get back to what we were doing, which is, oh, Paula, Paula, remember last week? Can you cast your mind back to last week when yeah. we were yeah. doing our, our new segment, True Confessions, the food edition, oh, and yeah. you and me and Tony all confessed to these uh, like weird food habits that we had, and- Bonnie didn't really do the assignment, but it was entertaining nonetheless. Yes, I do recall that. (laughs) That isn't true. Yeah, it is. It's completely true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, whatever. You told some barely tangentially related tales. And (laughs) it was kind of like if in elementary school you were taking a math test and the question was, Bob has two apples. He gave one to Mary. How many apples does Bob have? And you said, Mary seems like a nice girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't have a lot to talk about, but here's a really quick tip. You can buy non-fat powdered milk, so it has no extra ingredients. Then you put it in your coffee or tea, and it doesn't make it any colder. Now, thank you very much. For that tip. But that, again, Bonnie, completely unrelated to what we're doing. Yeah, Mary seems like a nice girl. <laughs> Mary seems like a very nice girl. Wow. Well, um, with that, we got so many responses from our listeners that were so much more on topic than Bonnie Burns that we decided to, we had to shunt it off to this week to do True Confessions, Food Edition, Listener Edition. Yay! I don't know what just happened with Bonnie Burns, but um, 
Gobble, gobble, gobble. I mean, I get what she was going for. Yeah. Well, I'll give you this, Bonnie. It's very specific to the edition that we're doing. So uh, I'm in favor. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Very specific. All right. So, Paul, let, let's get into some of our listeners' weird food habits and practices. Um, Beth Johnson Kent says, I lick Doritos. I rarely eat the chip. Just throw away the licked chips. It drives my kids crazy. That would drive me crazy. That is so weird, Beth. Yeah, it's pretty weird. And I got to tell you, I know somebody else who does that. And I hate to rat her out, but um, Paula, as you know, one of the things about being a parent is your kid leaves food over and you eat it, right? Because you don't want to waste it and you eat it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started occasionally a year or so ago, I would find that my daughter had left over Cheetos or potato chips and I would pop them into my mouth and they'd be soggy. Oh, no. Yes. It turned out that Vivian was doing what Beth Johnson Kent was doing. And it was horrifying. Raising cattle? No, licking the oh, flavor off the chips. Licking the chip. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. No, this is an upsetting behavior, Beth Johnson Kent. Yes, indeed. As much as I love Barbara Streisand, if it turned out that she licked Doritos and then threw away the chips, I think it would really put a wedge between us. You know? <laughs> yeah, it might. <laughs> Papa, can you see me? <laughs> Papa, can you see me? <laughs> Babs, why? Yeah, I don't like it. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people, people who lick Doritos are the lickiest people I know. All right, let's move on. Susan Harris Dorsey writes us just three words. Pizza and mayo. Oh. To which I have three mm. words. That's fucking gross. That sounds good. I eat fake mayonnaise now. I don't eat real mayonnaise. But the truth is... The reason I bother with fake mayonnaise is that I like mayonnaise. So I maybe I I might like that, but it sounds unnecessarily, you know, I don't need the calories. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like I've decided that my arteries need to be punished. Yeah, not unless I'm going to be Lauren the Limited Mime. Like, I'm not, it's not enough for me to cram pizza into my body, but like I'm going to put mayonnaise on that. Yeah. And then I'm going to smoke a pack of camels. Yeah. I might put some sugar on it, to be honest. That could what? be good, but sugar's good on everything. On pizza? You know, it could be. Yeah, it really could be, because you get the savory and the, you know, the sweet and savory. All right, Lewis Lustman says, I used to love eating That's a bowl of peanuts. That's not a name. Yes, it Nobody's is. Nobody's named Lustman. That's ridiculous. His name is Lewis Lustman, Lustman, and until just now, he's a fan of ours. Lewis Lustman? That's, I'm telling you. Your name is Lewis Lustman. By God, you go to a judge and you have your name changed. Lewis Lustman? Yeah, it's his what name. Kind of a, and as, what kind of a name is that? What kind of a host are you that you're making fun of our listeners' names? Well, my last name is Poundstone. Yeah. It deserves a fair amount of derision, but now Lustman. You're right. you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Lustman's a little strange. But he said that I used to love eating a bowl of peanuts covered in whipped cream. Ah, that's two gross things. You don't like peanuts or whipped cream? Well, I'm, it's a great... Uh, by the way, let me just say that these submissions are really great weird food edition yeah. true confessions. Absolutely. Uh, because a bowl of peanuts covered in whipped cream, that is 
and it's by Lewis Lustman. That's got to be a joke. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not, not a joke. Uh, let's move on. I think it is. Katie Grady says, I eat popcorn like a lunatic. I go one kernel at a time, biting off the crispy little kernely bits and saving the puffy bits in a little dish to enjoy separately at the end. It's a textural extravaganza. Wow. Wow. See, I don't like the crispy little kernely bits. I would do it the other way around. Well, she's saving the puffy bits for last. Right, but the kernely bits, that's the part that gets stuck like in the back of your throat and you can you can be going like Oh, there's a little husks, days. yeah. Yeah, oh, Jesus. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you something. It was the worst part of Moby Dick for Bonnie. Which was? <laughs> the popcorn. <laughs> the little hulls of the popcorn. That was yeah. the really hard part. Uh, for Bonnie to get past, yes. Precisely. She didn't even watch the movie. She just ate she just ate the popcorn. I know I know her. I got it. Eric Martinez Ortega says, I dip my hot Cheetos in cream cheese. Now, Eric, that is innovative, but I would say that's not gross. I don't know how you could dip them in cream cheese, quite honestly, because the hot Cheeto itself is not really stable enough from an engineering point of view. Cream cheese is a stiff substance. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Eric Martinez Ortega goes ahead and uh, buys the whipped cream cheese like we do in this household. Oh, it that's spreads a, a lot easier. And you can, I can see you taking a flaming hot Cheeto, just dipping it in the nobody else can use that cream cheese. So I presume that Eric Martinez Ortega lives alone. Well, no, you know what he could do? What? He could take a little bit of whipped cream cheese and put it in a in a little dish and dip it. Oh. You don't have to contaminate the entire container of whipped cream cheese. Entirely right, Paula Pound. Thank Pounds, goodness so. you don't work in the school cafeteria. <laughs> yes. What does Tanya Trombley do? She says, plain penne pasta al dente with canned tuna. Survived on that all through undergrad, and it's still one of my go-tos when I'm starving and lack imagination. Oh. Well, you know, you're just making a tuna noodle casserole and kind of not really going yeah, for it. Fancying <laughs> it up by calling it like. penne pasta al dente. I used to make Kraft macaroni and cheese <laughs> and put a can of tuna in there and then a can of peas. And, uh, well, I wow. opened the cans. But uh, it, was, <laughs> it was delicious. It was really delicious. And I lived off that for a whole week. So guess what, Tanya? You don't have to go to college to eat Tuna casserole. <laughs> <laughs> feel like feel like Tanya's taking a little too much of your ire yeah, here, Paula. Tanya, <laughs> guess what? I ate uneducated tuna casserole. How about that? <laughs> I would say Tanya. Yeah. Tanya, just add some seasoning and cheese, and you actually have a tuna noodle casserole. Yum. You know what else you could do, Tanya? You could scrape the orange shit off Beth Johnson Kent's tongue. When she licked the, <laughs> oh. the Doritos and then use that for your orange stuff. Thank you, Beth Johnson Kent, for holding on to that orange stuff. Okay, go oh, ahead. What did Bob yuck. Edgar eat? You know, he's disappointing here. Corn mixed into mashed potatoes. Well, Bob, everybody who's had corn next to mashed potatoes has had corn with mashed potatoes. Oh, apparently Bob was one of those kids who made a firm rule. I, I was like that when I was little. I could not tolerate one food touching another. Oh, so for Bob, this is a walk on the wild side. Yeah, so Bob had never experienced this before. None of the rules apply tonight. I'm putting corn in my mashed potatoes. Whoa. How drunk were you when you came up with that idea, Bob? <laughs> corn and mashed potatoes. Yeah, 
You know what I like in mashed potatoes? What's that? I like to make a little hole in the center of my mashed potato blob and fill it with fake butter and then seal it up again. And then years and years later, many years later, somebody will be walking across my kitchen table and find it. Tony Anita Hall just moaned in an unseemly fashion right there. She (laughs) loves that idea. Almost too much, yeah. I think. That yeah. is disgusting. She's making herself ready for Lewis Lessman. Uh, um, Bonnie doesn't right, like guys. it. Bonnie, you don't like that idea, huh? <laughs> How is that disgusting? No, I think, boy, Paula, and who eats mayonnaise? That is the most disgusting food. Isn't it like egg yolks and oil or something? I eat fake mayonnaise now. What's in fake mayonnaise? I have no idea. That's one of the things about me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know. I eat vegan A's. It's vegan. That's what I eat. Oh, well, that's probably good. Yeah, that's it's probably good. It's fantastic. It's full of sugar. Yeah. Bonnie, you hate mayonnaise, huh? Who, me? Oh, no, I wouldn't go near mayonnaise. Yeah. And Bonnie, let me ask you, what is your ethnic background? What is my ethnic background? Right. Why do you need to know that? I have a reason for I'm oh, asking I because I come from a Jewish that. background oh, because and Jews don't eat mayonnaise. Coke. I get it. Oh, is that no. true? Okay, but this is really gross. Nothing against my family at all. But we grew up, for some reason, my mom put mayonnaise in her chopped liver. Isn't oh. that like what you don't do when you're Jewish? No, uh, yeah, your mom, if we had excommunication, she would have been excommunicated. <laughs> Huh. I, I could think yeah. I could think of certain rabbis that would invent Jewish excommunication just to throw your mom out for that chopped liver and mayonnaise business. Do you remember that great song from Fiddler on the Roof? If I had some mayonnaise, that's why Tevye gets so upset when his daughter marries the Cossack, because he's like, there's going to be mayonnaise in my family. Yeah, he knows coleslaw is coming his way. Yeah. You know, when I first met Paula and like you were at a coffee shop or something where we got together in the beginning and I mapped out her career on paper napkins, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she used to open up those sugar packets and just pound them down her mouth. Yeah. Like three or four at a time. Yeah, but I I wasn't eating mayo. (laughs) No, but (laughs) may I interrupt really quickly? Yes. Please. Yeah. So I Googled, do Jews eat mayo? And Of course you um, did. Of course you did that. <laughs> the first commercial mayonnaise was invented by a New York Jew. Probably Hellman. There you go. Yeah, no, no. It's not that Jews don't ever mess with mayonnaise. It's just that people who are not Jews t- tend to think like, that's what you put on a ham and cheese sandwich as opposed to mustard. You know, there's just the, the use of mayonnaise is excessive outside as far as Jews are concerned, outside of the Jewish world, there's just too much mayonnaise. I see. I want to make sure that people send their complaints to Adam Felber. He's the one that said all the things about Jewish people and how much mayonnaise they eat. For complaints about Adam Felber, email us at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone <laughs> at gmail.com. What is happening? This is insurrection. Anyway, Logan Noonan says, my mom pre-toasts all her toast for the week on Sunday. (laughs) Logan, have your mom listen to the OCD episode from two weeks ago. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. She pre-toasts it. You know what, Logan? Now you know what it's like to get food from room service. (laughs) 
<laughs> breakfast from room service. It's always cold toast. Always. Yeah. But she pre-toasts it, meaning she puts it, so it's double toasted, right? Or she puts it in the microwave to re-energize it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but then you got to eat fast because it hardens. Yeah. No, that's that's weird. Boy. All right. So you know what that tells us? What? Don't go visit Mrs. Noonan on Sunday. She's busy pre-toasting. And don't visit her on Saturday because you're getting six-day-old toast. Right. That's a good point right there. Yeah. yeah. You got to visit her on Monday. That's really your only hope. <laughs> yeah, you're getting six-day-old, twice-toasted toast. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be- Saturday dinner, I won't yeah. be there. She's got to end up with a lot of worm food that day. A lot of worm Absolutely. compost on Saturday's toast. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is True Confessions Food Edition- Audience edition. These were great, weird food things. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, gobble. I don't know where, how we're going to top food with our next True Confessions thing, but that was fantastic. You know. True Confessions. Bonnie kept. <laughs> audio version. Bonnie kept telling me that she wanted, she wanted to find some old radio music. From like a show called The Whistler, she said, where they start out going, who is The Whistler? And I said, but Bonnie, the problem with that is that that's from a mystery show. And this isn't a mystery show. This is people talking about what kind of weird food things they do. And she said, what about if we use the music from The Whistler where they go, uh, who is The Whistler? She, yeah. I had to repeat to her over and over why that didn't make any sense. And in the end... Um, she's probably going to send you guys an email tonight. She really wants to use the Whistler music. No. This, this was my point. What I was saying to her was, I thought we could have a theme song. It goes like this. It goes, da, 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 da. I am the Whistler. But, but then we could do it like this. Da, 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 da. True confessions. But do you see my point? That's if you're confessing to a crime. These are not, it's not the same thing. Oh my God. I'm going to fight my way out of this segment somehow. I'm stuck in a box. It took hours, Adam. It took hours. (laughs) All right, nobody. She's still clinging to the idea. If you have questions or comments or you want to bitch about how we run our book club or maybe you have some idea for a great radio themed theme song to the True Confession segment. Send those ideas to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Now, Paula Poundstone, besides the incredible and endless work that we're doing on our True Confession theme song, what else is going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? Adam, Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, is performing beyond expectations, I believe, It's because it's such a supportive work environment. I mean, we have our problems, of course, but we work them out by listening to one another. We shall now hear arguments in the case of Wendell versus Poundstone Industries. I encourage listeners to go on my website, paulapoundstone.com, and just mess around. There's comedy videos, revealing photos, my remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirts available, And you can click on the tour page to find out when I'll be performing at a live theater near you. 
listeners can order a custom-made video message from me to their friend or loved one at cameo.com slash paulap33. That's cameo.com slash paulap33. There's so much more to tell you, but Heidi... Yeah, Heidi, I would love to tell you about my run for the U.S. Senate, which I'm announcing this week, but I can't. Thanks, Heidi. Anyway, subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge and no obligations. If there's a subject or topic you want to know about, again, just tell us. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com is that address, and that is our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula the Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Peter Daniel Strauss, a.k.a. Pierre the Mime. Yay! Thanks to our house band, Zach Ford. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Birds, Kendall Zebnick, and Tony Anita Hull. Intern is Carly Patron. (laughs) Starburns production by Land Romo and Sam Dunwald. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally yeah. used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. Realizing only a Yay! Average Quite in keeping with that... their operations of a few air. What the fuck? Sorry. That's our show for tonight. <laughs> Won't somebody please listen to me? I didn't know you were running for Senate. Oh, you know, I don't like to talk about it, but yeah. Huh? How does it work? Do you have to have a certain amount of signatures to put your name on the back? Yeah, ba- I, mean, how I gotta does it get work? the signatures. I gotta get the signatures. Yeah. And don't you have to know something about the issues? Is that gonna yeah, be come up? Yeah, I gotta learn about those issues, yep. Huh? Well, other than that, I think it's a great idea. Do you gotta get, like, handlers or something? Yeah, I gotta go find some handlers and stuff, yep. yep. Okay. Handlers. I gotta say, you know, I feel like it's Rain Man running for Senate. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely like Rain Man. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, Senate. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very good Rain Man. Podcast Network. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.